Jody Smith. I'm the Land Commissioner for the Board of University and School Lands. Excellent. Thank you for joining us here today and revisiting this story here on the, looks like the natural gas royalties from some oil and gas companies. And I, I believe this is on, on public land. Is that correct? Uh, well, we call it state land. So it was a land that was granted to the Board of University and School Lands upon statehood to help pay for education throughout the entire state. Okay, thank you. That's why I asked for the clarification. See, my yeah. simple mind, I just categorize things and, and make <laughs> it nice land and easy. It's a little different than state land, um, but in North Dakota, our state land is open to the public. So sometimes that, that term is used interchangeably. Okay. Now let's get to this here because you were on just a few weeks ago, and I remember my my last question to you was, uh, "What's next? Is is there anything next?" And and I think if I'm paraphrasing, but it was done, and uh, the the dates were set, and in in your opinion, the kind of the wheels were in motion. Well, I've seen some more headlines in the news, and 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 I I don't as it changed at all. Are we still where we were a few weeks ago? Just kind of give me a new update if there is a new update. Um, I think, you know, the only update to really provide is a couple weeks ago, the governor requested that the board reconsider the letter and the flow chart and how everything was communicated to the industry. And so that came to the board last Thursday. It was an extremely full board meeting, if you can imagine. And the board wasn't really to reconsider anything, but they were willing to add some clarification. So um, there had been, you know, some misunderstandings with the industry and the expectations of the board. And so in that boardroom, we were able to clarify a few of those factors. Um, one of them is the 90-day period. Um, we do want as many companies to come into compliance with the state within 90 days. Uh, if they are having issues just because of the look-back period or other constraints within their system, they're able to issue a, a request to me, and then I'll review that and determine if I can grant them an extension within that 90 days or if they'll automatically just go into the second bucket at that point, which um, increases both the interest and penalties. What prompted the changes, if I may ask? I mean, the governor stepping in, that's, um, you know, that's got to be a pretty serious, pretty act to happen. So outside of, you know, oil and gas companies being a big part of where the uh, state of North Dakota gets its tax revenue, I believe it's somewhere like 55%. And uh, just kind of talk to me about what, what changed, what prompted the governor to do that? Do you know? You know, I, Jason, I don't actually know. Um, that was a decision kind of made by the governor, and a formal request was placed to me to put it on the agenda, and so I, I did such. So um, we did receive letters from the oil and gas industry um, asking the board to reconsider the decision that they had made. I can say I probably received an equal number of letters um, from citizens of the state of North Dakota telling the board to kind of stay strong and that they made the right decision and, you know, per the terms of our contract, you know, these, these oil and gas operators kind of owe the state and the, and the schools and the kids this, these funds. So um, it, it was kind of coming from both sides pretty, pretty heavy there for a couple of weeks. And so I'm not quite sure of all the reasonings behind the governor wanting to reconsider it. Um, the other four board members just were not interested in reconsidering it, but they were willing to sit and have an open discussion about some clarifying factors of the letter and the flowchart. Who's on the board? Uh, so I have the governor, the state attorney general, the state uh, secretary, the state treasurer, and the state superintendent. 
And I've been told, um, although I've not gone back and verified this, that this is the only board in the state where you cannot appoint someone in your position. So, for example, the governor cannot send the lieutenant governor in his position to vote on his behalf. And so um, we meet once a month. We meet the fourth Thursday of every month. I apologize, the last Thursday of every month. Um, at 9 a.m. and we only move that if we can't reach a quorum and then a lot of times I'll have to bump it the week before right around Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff so we do tend to meet every every month and on occasion we'll have special meetings in between. So the, the governor was a part of these meetings and then a month later he asked to have it changed is that right? Correct. Or, okay Correct. I, I'm, I'm and here's the thing this is where it gets dicey for me because I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble. I'm just trying to follow along here. And that's that. That's what I thought I heard was, okay, so b people, part of the meeting have opportunity, because the next question is closed door meeting. Now, I, I don't know yeah. what that means. I know I asked you about it before. Um, you, you gave me an answer. And then I saw it come up in a lot of headlines, that sort of thing. Right. Um, is that normal? Is, you know, I mean, you know, you mentioned who is a part of these meetings and these people are involved in other meetings. And so I guess I'm just trying to figure out why the closed door meeting was um, highlighted, if I may ask. You know, I think that from the industry's perspective, they wanted to understand how the board came to the conclusion that they did with the flow chart and the time frame and such. And I can I can understand that. I mean, I tried to have as many conversations with the Petroleum Council as I was allowed to. I'm confined once a conversation occurs within the executive session unless the board directs me to take that information outside of executive session. Um, we have those executive sessions almost every board meeting. Um, they typically are surrounding litigation. So um, a lot of times, we'll, you know, this is all surrounding a case with the new field exploration that's now went to Insulta and Canada and now is Oventive. Um, when we talk about that, we do go into executive session. Um, and then the other kind of catch that I'm careful of in these audits where we're discovering that operators are out of compliance when an operator is out of compliance and we're doing an active audit, uh, all those records are actually not subject to an open records request until such time that the audit is complete. So in order for the board to have these full, broad sweeping conversations and take kind of every scenario into consideration, um, it's a lot easier for me to do that in executive session. The board has requested that we have a lot of these conversations in open session going forward. So I'm actually going to have to give every operator in the state of North Dakota now a unique number that only I'll be able to and my staff will be able to identify in the boardroom so that we can say, for example, operator seven instead of actually naming the operator. Um, so it just makes me make sure I'm not, I don't get tongue tied and accidentally slip the name of an operator in the boardroom. But I, I think it can be done, it just adds a little bit level of complexity there. I don't know if this has been mentioned or not, but you know, when, when the operator sent letters asking for, um, changes or you know to, just a reconsideration and that sort of thing what, what is it they're asking for I guess is it is it for more time is it for a different rate uh, I guess I've, I've never really been clear what they're asking for I don't think that there was a sincere consensus on what they were asking for. I mean, any of the operators that were here probably prior to about 2006 or 2000 um, were asking us to reconsider the 90 days um, because they are looking back um, from to the first date of production, and that could be 
40 years. When, if they had called us and had a conversation with us, um, they already knew, one, we're willing to issue um, a continuation, and I can give them an extension to remain in that first bucket. Two, for example, we have a significant operator in the state. They actually had contacted us. We talked to them. There was one unit, so there's basically one well out there that is subject to our audit pre-2006. So while it sounds overwhelming and daunting, it, it really isn't that much. Um, a lot of these more significant operators that go back, you know, 40 years, um, they just don't have that many wells that we were auditing that have to comply with the terms of the lease that were subject to the Newfield case. So um, that's one of the things. Um, I think some of them wanted us to start uh, to not go retroactive. And so we did receive some requests from some of the operators to say, hey, why don't you just start collecting basically from here going forward or, you know, May of 2017 has been brought up a couple of times going forward and not collect any of the royalties from 2006 to 2017. Um, by doing that, we, we would be leaving a significant amount of money on the table because I think everybody in North Dakota is fairly aware, like our huge boom started occurring around 2006 and really ramped up in those years. And so that's where a lot of those royalties are sitting. And so I don't believe that the board can do that and still adhere to their fiduciary responsibilities. I'm, I'm just really confused at how, what, just how, how this is playing out. And like I said, I'm, I'm asking some questions and I feel like I'm going to get in trouble or blacklisted or, <laughs> or I'm serious because you know the way North Dakota is. And just me trying to figure this out, like Bismarck's not a huge town, and what I what I'm what I'm trying to get at is there is a reaction to this. Like it is a reaction that it, there's war drums, okay? And I I understand it. Fifty five percent of the state revenue taxes is tied to oil and gas taxes, and right now the industry is going through a little bit of turbulence. And these, I'm sure, a lot of these politicians are trying to figure out what they're going to do because. That's a large chunk of a state to rely on one industry, okay? And I'm not sticking up for the industry. They don't need my help, but a lot of them are publicly traded companies, and a lot of them have shareholders. And they're, they're not designed to be reactive. They're designed to move very slow because they're like a corporation. Small business is designed to be nimble and quick, and government is designed to be slow, okay? The reaction on this is what scares me because... I, what, my question is, I guess, do you know why there's the, the reaction there is with this and why it seems like it's a surprise and, and everything when the governor has been sitting on these boards, apparently, and I know a lot of oil company executives sit on boards and I know uh, Ron Ness sits on boards and I know that they get together at industry mixers, and I know they get to. Do you, you know what I mean? There, there was ample opportunity for a conversation to be had. To there were multiple conversations that were had. Um, I mean, this decision came down from the Supreme Court in July. I spoke at a Petroleum Council conference in August, um, and at that time, I didn't have a specific direction that the board would be going, but I did note to them that we would be issuing a letter that would be providing them with a direction. Um, those operators know when they're out of compliance. Several of them approached me while I was at that conference and, you know, asked what we would be doing, and I told them, you know, we're still kind of working through everything to decide what we would be doing and how we would be moving forward. The the issue started showing up in our agenda in November. 
Um, and so we had, I think, six board meetings about it, and it was always on the agenda. There were industry leaders in the room at every single one of those. They may have left the room during executive session, um, but, you know, I had conversations with many of them after the board meeting or would go to their offices, and, you know, they were they were very much aware that the, the industry would be incentivized to get into compliance with the state um, and that we would build incentives into, and they knew it was going to be a flow chart um, to try to get them into into compliance with the state as soon as possible. And those conversations were occurring back in December. So it, it really shouldn't have been a shock. Um, I don't know how some of the lobbyists communicate to their companies, and that's kind of outside my lane to speak to that. But, you know, they definitely had communi- communications with my board members as well. And so there were multitudes of meetings with them, um, discussions around the interest rate, the penalty rate, the time frame, um, all of that kind of came into conversation with them. And so I don't think it was really a shock per se. Um, I think, you know, the conversation really goes around, you know, how far back do we need to be going and, you know, what is the board's fiduciary responsibility for collecting royalties that were due in the 90s, the, you know, the early 2000s and, and kind of making that decision. And so, you know, there are definitely some complexities that kind of sit within that. You know, some of them have brought up, you know, will assets have been sold and rebought a couple times over and then who's liable? And um, what we're telling operators is you go back to the terms of your agreement when you sold those assets or you bought them. And that should have been outlined in that agreement if, you know, you're going to be held liable for anything. And so we're not really involved in a lot of those conversations. We've told our operators if it becomes an issue to please bring it to our attention. That's certainly something we can bring to the board. But at this point, I don't have anybody who's brought that to the board or to my attention and said this has become an extreme issue for us. So it's not our intention that, you know, anybody really go out of business. Uh, we we look at their financials pretty regularly. I got a newsletter today from Bakkenbackers who, you know, touted how much uh, Continental will be putting into the state. Um, you know, I get those regularly. I think Hess is putting $1.4 billion into the state, and we're all extremely grateful for that. Uh, but I also think that when you sign a contract and you make a deal with somebody, that you need to uphold your end of the bargain. And that right is right and wrong is wrong. We had 40 operators who have always been in compliance with the state. And if we don't collect these royalties from the ones who are out of compliance, am, am I going to pay back the ones who who paid their bill? And, and where is that money going to come from? Because I'm certain that those operators would have loved to have been able to use that money to invest into capital or staffing or, you know, whatever else they would like to have. And so, you know, trying to be fair amongst all the operators um, here is, is really what I'm trying to do. And what I ask of one, I need to ask of the other, regardless of, you know, how many lawyers they have or how many lobbyists they can hire. Am I out of line for saying that this is this is causing a reaction, that this is very reactive, like um, unlike a lot of other, I guess, things? Uh, to me, it just seems like it's it's coming up a lot in the in the in the press. It is and, coming up a lot. And, you know, I'm not I'm not sure why. I mean, we have certainly not issued a press release. Um, and so well, that's is, what I mean. It's to, to me, that's a reaction. There, there's a yeah, reaction it, it because coming up a, quite a bit. well, well, there's they're, they're they're trying to mobilize a movement, and you know, in in my in my opinion, rightfully so, um, and that's why one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on today because um, sometimes when when there's a mobilization in the state, it it doesn't go as planned, and we have the Dapple protest to to. Right. Just talk, I mean, just to cite as, as, as an example. And 
you know, that's that's not a good PR for the industry. And um, and I'm not comparing that to this, but there are themes that are very similar, very similar. And it's it's the reaction that I'm a little bit concerned about here. So I don't know what needs to be done to broker a deal, but I hope you guys do. And I don't know why. Um, I think a lot of it is timing that right now a lot of, you know, I just I just read where uh, is it not not Anna Darko, but uh, who bought who bought Anna Darko Occidental is yeah. selling like 15 billion dollars to the state of Wyoming. I mean, the state of Wyoming right. is going to buy like 15 billion dollars worth of leases. And you've got companies, you know, debt servicing quite a bit because they, they have to, you know, they, they got rules they got to they got to play by here. And the state, I've mentioned it several times. Last time I checked, 55% of the state budget was tied to oil and gas, to production and the extraction tax. And we're not talking about vehicle renewals, and we're not talking about none of yeah. those things. You know, because some people argue 65%, really, when you start adding sales tax and some of these other things that are tied to the energy companies. So um, I, I don't think that it's a secret that the oil and gas companies are extremely important to the state of North Dakota's right. uh, revenue. Correct? That's is I don't oh, think. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody's disputing that. To funding our trust, I mean, because we we collect so much royalties off the work that they do, um, and again, we have thirty eight operators who are out of compliance, and we're not talking about hundreds of millions here. It, it's it's not that significant, and so. The, the reaction is a little bit um, shocking to me in the sense that, um, again, as far as I'm aware, when you, when you have 38 operators and you, you spread that across a number that isn't significant for most of them, I mean, I can't speak on behalf of their financial situations and how they invest capital, but, you know, most of the companies, the other thing that I found really interesting throughout this whole process is the majority of those companies had contacted our department and were working to get into compliance before we went into the boardroom last week. Um, and then I had other individuals within their companies asking us to reconsider the decision when somebody else had already told us, well, we have that money in reserves or, you know, we knew this was the potential to be coming, you know, we, we want to pay you by the end of March. And so I kind of had the maybe the right hand not talking to the left hand or maybe they wrote the letters just so that, you know, they could say they, you know, they spoke to the board. Um, but the message that I'm getting communicated out in the public versus the message that's coming to us internally are not always the same messages. And so it's always kind of that, that other side of the story. Um, where you know many of them want to get into compliance and and they want to move on and they want to understand how to do it moving forward and and then you know there's a lot of publicity around this on the other side and so um, we just try to keep calm and keep quiet in our our department and you know work with the operators as much as we can to get them into compliance and again if if there needs to be a settlement offer made by some of these uh, larger companies the board's willing to entertain that as well so. And like I said, I'm not, you know, I'm not sticking up for the oil and gas companies right. and I'm not sticking up for the state. I don't get paid by either either one to do either. They pay millions of dollars to other people to do those things. But I do right. know a little bit about big data. And I know that <laughs> that a lot of energy companies have invested millions of dollars into fine tuning their big data. I do know that um, companies like Mineral Tracker, who's a regular, right. Joel, Joel Brown's a regular on this program, uh, they make a living off of getting getting uh, big data at the click of a finger. So I, I know that 
the state has invested millions of dollars. I know that they started back when I was probably in college investing in this type of uh, uh, um, technology. In fact, they arguably did in the 50s with the Laird Rock Geology Library that's now up in uh, right. Grand Four. I mean, really, I mean, let's, let's be honest no. here. So what, what, what I'm getting at we is... we are known across the nation um, and the work like Glenn Helms has done uh, with his, his system. I mean, we, we are known across the nation for kind of the information that we have. Um, so and that, how long we've been tracking it. And that's why I get back to, you know, I understand the timing isn't good on this. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the industry's in, a, in, hey, it's not going well. I mean, coronavirus, right. environmentalism, low oil price, you name it. There's, there's right. you know, there, there's 15 different, you know, state of North Dakota land departments now coming after them. I mean, you name it, man. <laughs> you got everybody coming after the energy industry. So, listen, obviously 90 days is a problem. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at this story here in the Herald, and Wayne Stengem doesn't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole. He's, he's talking out of both sides here. And, but he did say uh, settlement, I see, trying negotiating settlements. Is that something that you guys are looking at doing? You know, if, if necessary, we will enter into a settlement. And so we are willing to, again, accept and communicate with them on, on anything um, what we have to do, and the board has to do this, because, again, if, if we don't collect the royalties that are due to these trusts, I can guarantee you I have just as many people on the other side of the table who are going to sue at me and our board for not doing our re- fiduciary responsibility. I guarantee you Fargo's waiting, I, waiting, very, I, very salivating on right? us right now. Oh, so I guarantee you. I have people on both sides, and that's that kind of fine line. And, you know, I, I, I recognize that the economy is down, but most of these operators were aware that they're out of compliance in 2012, 2013, 2014. They received letters from our department. They knew that they were out of compliance. They, they made a decision to stay out of compliance with the department. Some of them actually came out of compliance um, in 2017 when we issued a letter to them about some stuff. They actually decided to come out of compliance with the department. And so we have this varying range of operators of how long they've been in or out of compliance, when they came in and out of compliance. And, you know, again, we're willing to work with them, try to come up with a number that we both feel like we're meeting our fiduciary responsibilities whereas and not hamstringing them and the, the needs that they have as an industry. And so, um, but certainly just leaving it on the table and walking away and saying we're not going to collect on this is not an option for the board. So... Well, if there's something that can be done, I, I hope you let us know. Like I said, I'm not I'm, I'm not paid to be an advocate for the industry. I'm not paid to be an advocate for the state. But I, I, I love the oil and gas industry because it represents a very true form of capitalism and community building. And I love how it allows culture just to cultivate within itself. And when I see the reaction like I've seen happen over this story, there's 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 something yeah. more to it then I think the average person understands because this is, this is, get, I mean, it's, it's, there's war drums, think, there's war drums and, and there I should not part be. part of it is, um, I would anticipate that part of it is that we opened something up here that other states, because of my peers in other states, um, are struggling with. And so, you know, oh, you're giving states an additional revenue source. Look, quit, quit doing that. Quit yeah. acting like well, a other, business. Uh, Stop. I, well, the government states, needs to stop acting like a business because they, they do. I mean, anyway, sorry. No, I I'm, mean, other land departments. Di- di- different other, soapbox, other different day. Are, <laughs> right. Other states are having the same issues. No, I know. I, I know. The industry realized 
that when we won the Supreme Court lawsuit, that there are going to be other states that are going to be asking for the same thing. So I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think it's all about us. I think that there's a larger concern on a national platform now of what's going to occur. And so because, and I, I say that just based upon some of the open records requests I've received from attorneys in other states, um, other attorney generals from other states, okay. um, and other, you know what I mean, and other mineral owners from outside the state. I, I'm not so convinced that this is all about us. I, I'm convinced a little bit more that this has to do with something that's occurring on a national platform, okay. and we just happen to open that door. Well, whatever so that's, that's the war drums that we're hearing. Whatever it is, it's amplified. And I, after the, like I said, after the um, Dakota Access Pipeline protest, where I got texts and phone calls from six countries and three continents. I'm sorry, four continents. Um, asking what was wrong with us. And, you know, and like, and like I've mentioned, it's, we ended up on the FBI hate crime list and all these different things. The last one was, you know, the, the Greta Thunberg mural, how, how the culture yeah. out West reacted to it. Now it's going to be up in Fargo. So in the number one populated city in the state that really controls the voting, that's where a big anti uh, uh, oil and gas fossil fuel message will be every single day. And that was, a, again, because of a reaction. So I, I, I'm trying to, this interview is trying to nip some things in the bud, actually, because I, I, I'm hoping that you can resolve some things with these oil companies and understand that, oh. you know, I, I understand it might not be uh, uh, in the grand scheme of things, you know, let, let, let's just say it's 20 million, okay? Like, I have no idea what it is because you haven't said it, but you said it was not hundreds of millions. So... I'm just going to say 20 millions, and I, and I get it that to the average person, that might not seem like a lot of money, but, you know, in the downturn, and, well, uh, shareholders need to be met, sometimes five bucks is tough. So I think timing is a big part of this, too. So I, I don't know what kind of negotiations can be made or what kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, instead of 90 days, 120, I have no idea, but uh, you're just encouraging people to contact you. And and if it's a case by case, you'll do a case by case. But as of right now, what's the, uh, what's kind of the message that you want to kind of leave people with to kind of know what the reality is? You know, I I think for the operators who have contacted our department, and we only have about a half dozen who have not at this point in time, you know, it's fairly positive. I mean, they understand what our expectations are. They understand the information that we need. And, you know, we're coming to an understanding of, you know, what would be needed to come into compliance with the state. And so we don't have, that I'm aware of, any sincere, significant concerns at this point. I've not been offered a settlement offer. Um, Everyone who is in these conversations with us at this point, it is um, a legitimate, I'm going to get into compliance with the state and and let's move forward as partners. So we'll see that could change. Again, the letter has not even been out for 30 days. And so there's a long ways to go still. I hope to be able to bring the board additional information at the end of this month. And again, that board meeting is on March 26th and it's It'll actually be held here at the Capitol in Bismarck, and it's open to the public, so everybody is welcome to come. Um, but really, this is about having that communication. And, you know, as we kind of 
we implied this at the board meeting again last week is, you know, on that letter, it said contact our department. And I really encourage everyone, even if you just have questions about this situation, you're welcome to contact me, have a conversation. Operators are welcome to contact my revenue compliance department, start having those conversations with us because I think a lot, a lot can get missed, you know, when you rely, no offense, Jason, just on media to convey that message instead of really, you know, calling the source and asking them the questions yourself. So. Well, no offense taken on my part, that's for sure. I, I've, I've, <laughs> I've been called worse and, and told worse. But just one final question, I guess, because I, I still, my na naivete, much like, you know, trying to follow what you were talking about earlier, you, you did mention this was a Supreme Court decision that was done. And again, we've, we've heard meetings and changes. Can this be changed and how can it be changed? Um, my understanding, and with the caveat, I'm not an attorney, is that the Supreme Court will not change their ruling. Uh, there could be additional litigation brought around some specific nuances of the case, um, but the Supreme Court won't go back. They were already asked to rehear this after they came up with their ruling at the beginning of July. The, uh, Newfield, with you know support from the industry, asked the Supreme Court to rehear the case, and the Supreme Court denied them that request. So. From this standpoint, that, that case is done. Now, if other litigation, so we have litigation going on right now with Continental. It does involve oil and gas, um, and Newfield is just gas. You know, there could be other nuances that are kind of brought out by this. And the only thing really, you know, in this conversation I've tried to have, you know, with the industry and, you know, we'll continue this, is we could change the terms of our lease. It would only benefit those leases starting from today going forward. We wouldn't go back and retroactively kind of change the leases in the past, but then moving forward, we'd have different, we could possibly have different language in our leases that would allow them to take those deductions. Would that change the timing of payment if you did something like that? You know, would it, would it give them any more time to pay? Because I, I do think maybe that is part of the issue uh, and because of the timing, you know, some of these no, oil companies have to go get recertified now to be environmentally conscious and friendly. And I, I have no idea what that means, but I know that it's tough to get additional dollars. But uh, back yeah. to the original question, does it kick the can down the road? Um, that one is, you know, that again, that's just for future leases. And so, I, you know, that would just change things moving forward. But all the leases that we currently have in place, it wouldn't change the terms of that. And so we have leases that people signed in 1975, and it allows you to take deductions. That, that provision and lease didn't change until 1979. And so we have some leases that do allow the industry to take the deductions they're asking for. And then we have leases now that don't allow you to. And if you know, if we can come to some sort of agreement, we might be able to come up with a lease that does allow us to take those deductions again. And so it's really about sitting down and being able to find, you know, a, a happy medium and making sure that the terms of the lease are very clear so that we don't end up in the space again where we're in litigation because there seems to be some ambiguity. 